Welcome back to MMA BJJ and Life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco. How is everybody doing tonight? It's been a McGregor-filled day. I think it's going to be McGregor, 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 McGregor. I'm going to wake up. I will look in the mirror and I will see something green and think of McGregor. I will talk to somebody. They will have an Irish last name. I'll think of McGregor. It's just going to be all about Maymac for the next couple of months. So we might as well get used to it. I even was in the uh, the Whole Foods today and saw Helen Maroulis, the aforementioned wrestler who is a local of the area. And, of course, she went over and trained wrestling with McGregor before this fight came to fruition or at least became a very serious prospect and something that, that was to happen. So, uh, so yeah, uh, Conor McGregor's everywhere. But, uh, and we will get into that here in a second. But um, today is really all about the... the um, uh, the biggest issue is uh, we are called MMA, BJJ, and Life, and today we're going to do a Life episode. We are going to have on somebody that um, I had the good fortune to run into here in my new hometown. Uh, well, I shouldn't call it my hometown, my adopted town of Laguna Niguel, um, California, and who we're talking about is a ultra-running badass, internationally renowned winner of 80 ultra competitions and um, the holder of 24 records course records in such competitions Michelle Barton and she's just a lovely young lady who is just a total badass to be able to do the races she does in the conditions that she does them and uh, we're honored that she would come on uh, uh, an MMA BJJ podcast but we wanted to bring you guys life episodes and we, uh, actually, uh, my co-host will join us later on, Brent Littell, and um, he will get into the mindset a little bit with her and try to dig into what is the mind of a person who does a 100-mile race when you're talking about racing for 24 or 30 hours. So it's, it's um, these people are made of something that is, you know, nearly superhuman, uh, especially when you talk about a bad water and it's well over 100 degrees and and you're running, and, and um, the sun is just so incredibly strong. It's very, very challenging. So we're going to uh, talk to Michelle tonight, and that's going to be the focus. I want to give you a little bit of MMA to start off with, uh, with the announcement yesterday, and just look at uh, a couple of things that struck me about it, and, uh, and then we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll bring in uh, Michelle Barton, uh, the ultra runner. But uh, relative to MMA, obviously it was announced yesterday that uh, Conor McGregor will fight uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr., I believe, on the the 26th or 28th of August. You can tell how much I really care. Um, It's cool. Uh, I mean, what what I want to get out of this and what struck me today was, and I'm totally happy that Conor's going to get to do this and he's going to get to make a lot of money and he probably won't win and if by some miracle he does win that's great he's going to earn a lot of money either way and it'll provide security for his family and his family's family for their lifetime and I think that's awesome and it also will inspire people like Stipe Miocic to call out Anthony Joshua 
and obviously uh, Cyborg, uh, Justino, Chris Cyborg is calling out somebody, and everybody wants to fight a boxer now, and, and that's fine, and I think that's great if he inspired uh, people to do that, and the fact that he's going to make a lot of money and bring attention to MMA is cool. What I took issue with today is I was listening to one of the leaders in MME media in our sport, in Ariel Helwani. I mean, make no mistake about it. Ariel is somebody who is the biggest figure in MMA media that we have, whether you like him or you don't like him. He resides in that position. Um, I respect the guy. I do have some issues with some of the things that he's done relative to um making himself into a victim when he was kicked out of the UFC that night after um he had been the receptor of their patronage you know the person who had that advantage who had the close relationship with Dana White was able to get a spot on UFC TV which the UFC was responsible to staff that for Fox and uh, Ariel was the beneficiary of, of a relationship that he had built with Dana and got the position. And then he wanted to editorialize on the UFC in an independent manner, in a journalistic manner. And you really can't do that when you are a Joe Rogan or a Kenny Florian or a John Anik or everybody else that gets that relationship, that gets it. That yes, they're paying me to be on TV. I'm not going to be able to be an independent voice about the UFC and have on Bellator people and things like that. So when I don't think he, Ariel is totally innocent in what happened to him getting kicked out. At the same time, I don't agree with the UFC trying to strong arm anybody or physically threaten anybody uh, and scare the guy. Um, I don't think. I think that's a bad thing, and I think they were scorned for it and deserve it. But at the same time, Ariel was not innocent in that he knew that he was receiving a check from Zufa Entertainment and that they were responsible for putting him in that position on TV. And therefore, he could not be an independent journalist on the days when he wasn't there because they're paying you to be their employee. You serve at their pleasure, much like somebody who's on the president's cabinet. That said, today, um, Ariel said on the Dan Patrick show, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here, he said at the end of his interview with Dan, which was very cool, he went and represented MMA on a, on a big show, but what he said was that he is more excited for this fight and thinks it's a, a more exciting thing for him than if Connor were to fight Tony Ferguson or Khabib Nurmagomedov or Jose Aldo, unquote. For me, I don't see how... I, I realized today that I don't think Ariel is a fan of MMA. I, I'm not sure that he's a fan because it is impossible for me to be more excited about Conor McGregor fighting a boxing match. No matter how big it is, the best boxer in the world, that's great. More excited for that than him to fight the greatest MMA fighters in the world. And that may very well be Tony Ferguson or uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. They might be the most dominant MMA fighters in the world, and if not, they're among the top four of them or so, and then you add Connor to that mix, and you could have some somewhere around a top five. At least, you know, if you go by the stats and, and, and skill sets, really, 
Connor more stats and more skill sets, those guys, because they've shown some of the other uh, that I've mentioned outside of Connor have a legitimate wrestling game and have some submissions in MMA and things like that. So they have a legit all around game, whereas Connor has pretty much dominated on the feet and hasn't showed a lot else other than he did sweep Nate Diaz at one time. So, all that in mind, um, I don't understand somebody who claims to be the best MMA or the lead MMA journalist of all. And I guess, you know, de facto, he is the de facto lead journalist of, of everybody in MMA that claims to be an MMA fan and then says he's more excited for a boxing fight with Conor McGregor than an MMA fight. And that to me is absolutely perplexing. And I came to the conclusion today, or at least came to a theory today, that maybe Ariel isn't a real MMA fan because he's telling me a story, a build-up, a, a build-up to a fight, you know, what's going to be great press conferences and great interviews and great face-offs and all these sorts of things and probably some bottles thrown and some fists thrown is more exciting than actually seeing a multi-tiered fight in a cage between guys who mix their martial arts, which is what we're all here for. That's what Tony Ferguson has shown he's one of the best in the world at. That's what Conor McGregor has shown he's one of the best at, though not quite as well-rounded. And Khabib is is uh, one of the best in the world at. So how could I possibly be more excited to see Conor go into a fight with something that he only trains in but is not a professional in in boxing where he's likely going to lose, although he does have a puncher's chance, against a, uh, that guy than I would against seeing him in a mixed martial arts contest, something that he's built his entire fame and reputation on. So that is why I am now, for the first time, actually questioning whether Ariel's a real fan or whether he's really just in this for the storylines and the glory and the fame that is brought to him in his career. So I'll wait and find out. I'm curious to know. He didn't answer my tweets, but I think it's a legitimate question. Um, if you're a real MMA fan, I just can't imagine that you would be more excited for a fight like that. So anyway, uh, more importantly than all that, I'm not going to get into all the storylines today because, again, this is going to be a life episode and we are going to have on Miss uh, Michelle Barton. So um, when we come back, the aforementioned Ultra Runner, one of the best in the world that's right here from Laguna Niguel. We're going to find out about her trip to Mexico, running with the Tarahumara Indians. Any of you that have read Born to Run know what I'm talking about. But when we come back, we're going to have on Michelle Barton and we'll get into it. So we will be right back. This is DJ San Marco for MMA BJJ in Life.
San Marco coming to you live from Laguna Niguel, California. My new, my new place, my new spot, the place that I love. And uh, we have a very special person on for you, the aforementioned, as we uh, introduced her to you a little while ago. The, um, I would say, you know, the foremost badass of ultra running worldwide, <sighs> nationwide, as, as, as Easy Come Top on. One says. She's bad. She's nationwide, <laughs> and of course, I'm talking about Laguna Niguel's own Michelle Barton. How you doing, Michelle? Hey, I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me, DJ. You know, you're welcome. You know what? I think that could be another song to add to your, you know, your intros. I'm bad. Tell I'm me. Nationwide. Are you familiar with that song? From no, Zizi who's Tom? that by? Zizi oh. Tom. It goes, cause I'm bad. I'm nationwide. I'm bad. So, I only know that tush song well let me ask you do you know can you hear the music right now no or, okay, not at all okay so the recording hears it but you don't okay so i won't play it for you i'll just send it to you on social media so you can Sweet. hear it hear something it to way. add to my collection yes because you are bad you are nationwide michelle is the owner of 80 wins in ultra ha. competition and 24 course records when i read her bio here I nearly pooped a biscuit because it is long and there are more wins and accomplishments than I can get to um, and, and in the entire show, uh, but it is quite extensive, so I'm sure Thank it's you. something you're, you know, that you're proud of and that you earned. So let me start off with, oh, wow, I just got one of my uh, friends from the Air Force just hit up on your, um, he just liked the fact that I... I uh, posted that you were going to be on on Twitter. So, wow, that was one of my MMA. When oh, I yeah? MMA, well, one of the guys, when I started training MMA in the Air Force, he was one of the our, of members of our little team. So, but, Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's I haven't heard from him in, in forever, so it's just caught me by surprise. Um, so, Michelle, um, yes. what I want to ask you to start off with is how did you get into this? Like... Uh, what most like how did you even get into this because it must be mostly like crazy people that can do this so tell me how did you get into it are you asking how did I get into ultras or how did I get into running oh I I would say ultras because a lot of people run but not a lot of people can do what you guys do sure well I think with trail running in particular it's a natural progression uh Basically, um, you know our local mountain, Saddleback Mountain here. It's not too far away from our home in Laguna Niguel. So every winter they have a series of races called the Winter Trail Running Series. And my dad had always done it. He's uh, really good friends with the race director. And so I just decided to join my dad one day and uh, do like they have a 10K. It just gradually leads up like the whole series it uh, starts with about a 10K and ends with a 50K. And so um, the first year I just joined my dad with all those races and fell in love with the trails. And going back a little bit, uh, you know, back in my childhood, my dad would always take me to Yosemite every summer, backpacking, doing epic stuff like hiking 50 miles with a pack uh, wow. through Tuolumne Meadows and all over. So I really found that, those childhood memories stuck out the most vivid. They're the best memories of my childhood, just being with my dad and hiking and being in the mountains. So 
So when I learned of this thing called trail running and trail racing, it was just like, boom, super hooked. And then I found that the camaraderie with the trail runners is just unlike anything else. Like they're all like family. They'll help you They're It's just like a tight knit kind of group. Mm -hmm. You know, we suffer together. So we're just like tight and, and it's just like amazing. I, I met my best friends out at races and on the trails and, yeah, it's super cool. So so my intro to mountains and trails was probably back in my childhood. But then once I started racing these short distance ones, I found that my sweet spot was more at the longer endurance type stuff. And when you're running these trail races, it seems like everyone around you is like training for 50 mile, 100K, 100 mile. And so I had never heard of those, you know, like back in the year 2000. So one of my friends says, why don't you come out and pace at this race, Angela's Crest 100 Miler? And I'm like, okay. So I just showed up, met a random guy during the night. He was the first guy without a pacer. Now a pacer is just allowed to join the runner for, say, for example, the last 50 or last 40 miles of the race, depending on the race. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of run and help them out. And uh, so I was hooked. That was it. Like, running all night through the mountains, that was an adventure. So from so that moment, was, then I, yep. So there was no athletics going on through high school that that you figured, you know, I have this endurance, I have this this will um, to win kind of spirit type of thing that you were doing. I was, I was never a runner in high school. In high school, I was choreographing dance and I was playing guitar. So there wow. was nothing of team sports. Nothing. I mean, I love sports. I always was into biking. And when I would hang out with my dad, we would always do epic type of long bike rides and really cool stuff, hiking and things like that. But I was never like on any competitive teams, like never was on soccer or baseball or anything like that. So yeah, it's, it's kind of cool because I found this like a little bit later, you know, like when I was, I guess, 28, 29 years old. And so it's pretty awesome to discover it like then and then just be good at it, kind of, because so you love whole, it so much. It was all born out of your relationship with your dad, Absolutely. the whole thing. Absolutely, thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, that is so cool. Because right, you, so, you, I'm sorry, please continue. <laughs> so basically what I was saying with those trail races on our local mountain on Saddleback, well then um, eventually I just like ramped it up to running my first 50K out there. And that was actually also um, my dad's first 50K. And that was on his 65th birthday. Oh my so, God. so like he got me into the trails and in you know, return, I got him into the, running the long ones. And now he's running 50Ks and he's doing these like 100 mile stage races. Like he's doing one in Canada this summer. It's like uh, 100 miles in five days so that kind of thing is more manageable for him and doable right. um yeah but he's definitely out there like he did san jacinto this weekend he's doing baldy for father's day this like he's out there in the mountains and all his training partners are like my age it's pretty cool that is so rad man yeah That's he so he cool. has a book out too it's called um fit at 75 well now he's 78 but still applies oh, <laughs> That yeah. is so cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm you'll have to meet him sometime. Yes. He's around. He's in Irvine. Yes, I got to meet him, and I probably need to read his book because I'm all about this sort of 
defying age thing and just trying to um, absolutely you know just uh, not get old you know the like say oh i'm getting older like and i'm injured and i can't i want to go do everything you know I absolutely mean, i go and I, wrestle with guys a couple days a week that are 20 years younger than me or do you that's awesome oh, yeah DJ. that's what jiu-jitsu is i mean it's it's wrestling <laughs> i mean it's not like throwing taekwondo kicks and hitting pads and stuff i mean you're wrestling with other guys so it's fun oh yeah yeah, I don't really, a... I don't know the difference. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I just know running. <laughs> I, I love it because uh, your your diversity, your your diversity, uh, you know, it's just not there. You know, it's like you know the thing that you know. But yeah. But well, I've seen you doing some epic stretches lately outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, you know, yeah, we'll we'll tell you more about it uh, when it's. Uh, well, okay, we're sounds not good. interviewing you, you know, because really you're the focus of this thing. Everybody that listens to this show knows all about jiu-jitsu and MMA and wrestling and all that stuff. This is right. uh, more fascinating. Um, so one of the things I was curious about was after your first race, you did that first 50, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You come home from that 50, and what are you feeling? What are you thinking about? Oh, that was so epic. I got second place overall woman. And granted, you know, these races are local. They're not huge. Like, there's maybe 75 people. But I tried to run my ass off and do my best and give everything. And, of course, you know, it's trial and error. You don't know what it's like on your first 50K. Maybe your longest training run is a marathon. Maybe not. Maybe it's less. So, uh, you know, I got some tips from friends on take a salt pill here and there and take a handheld bottle and drink when you need to. And there was a lot of climbing in this race. Saddleback Mountain is not flat at all. It's pretty technical, a lot of rocks. So when I finished, I finished behind this uh, woman, Darcy Pasu, who is absolutely amazing. She's won a ton of 100 milers, including Hard Rock 100, multiple times. She's just, like, amazing. So... I just kind of talked to her after the race a bit and I was feeling really good and <laughs> wanted to race something else. So mm-hmm. I really, really, really love racing. So when I got into it, I wanted to just uh, know, well, hmm, I know what a 50K feels like now. I wonder what it really feels like in your body to just push that and run a 50 miler and then did that and then push it, you know, just kind of up like that. Now I do have friends that are crazy and they just like will sign up for a hundred mile or a 24 hour race for their first ultra. But I just kind of took it in steps like 50 K 50 mile, hundred K hundred mile. And then, you know, I did bad water of course. (laughs) And the reason I did that was because, you know, you get this cool experience if you decide to pace or crew someone at a hundred. So I paced Dean Karnazes and of course he's incredible. And uh, so I, I got a pretty good uh, insight into what it takes to run and finish Badwater. So then I signed up the next year after I paced him, and that was a tough one. That is so cool. I you know Thank I told you, you I, I had seen a video of Badwater, and you talked about yeah. ultra marathon is helping one another. So I'm I'm sitting yeah. in Ohio before I moved out here watching a cable TV produced expose on Badwater, and here's this guy, your friend Osvaldo. Yeah. is that his name? Osvaldo Lopez. Oh Osvaldo, yeah, legendary. Osvaldo. 
nicest he, guy ever. Yeah, and there's this, a guy there from Spain, and clearly he's just dying. He's like, I'm done. Like, I can't make mm-hmm. it the rest mm-hmm, of the way. He mm-hmm. goes into his trailer and sits down, and Oswaldo runs into his trailer and, and talks to him in Spanish and says, come on, man. I can help you. I mean, run with me. We can do this. You can do this. And he comes out of the trailer, and he and he continues on because of Oswaldo. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. I think I actually remember that video clip. Was that from Running on the Sun? I don't remember the name of it. Oh, okay. It was one of these pieces that the local cable company had a channel, and uh-huh. they produced certain shows. They had to find some content, so this was one of them. Right. And when I saw that, I was just fascinated with people that could run in that kind of heat and I right. had already read I think it was like t- around 2009 I was over in Afghanistan and I was yeah. part of a flight crew in the Air Force and one of my pilots knew that I was uh-huh. getting into running I was getting into we had both bought our first pair of five fingers in 2009 and yes. he gave me the book um he gave me the book Ultra Marathon Man by Dean Carnazzo, yeah. which I read cover to cover in Afghanistan. And he gave me Born to Run, which I read in Afghanistan. There and, you go. And that's how I, you know, so I understand, like, I have the sense of, it's it's been a long time since I've read these books, but I have a sense of who right. Carvalho Blanco is, and we're going to get into that as well. So yeah. anyway, so that was when I fell in love with minimalist shoes and yes i seen you in the vibrams yeah oh yeah always the five fingers i don't have any shoes that i wear that aren't there are shoes that reside in my closet but the ones that go Mm -hmm. on my feet are all minimalist so right i love that (laughs) and we i gotta ask you about that too because i want you to kind of discern for us the difference between running in luna sandals versus Mm -hmm. five fingers versus vivo barefoot but We'll get sure. there um, in in a minute. Um, is there a certain type of person who does this, Michelle, or do you find that it's folks from all walks of life and different back all, all sorts of backgrounds? You kind of see everything. I mean, you see the doctors and lawyers, and I mean, you, it's pretty much just any anyone that really has a high drive and like is not afraid to suffer and just loves to push themselves and just go to the extreme. I mean, I couldn't really like pinpoint that type of person, but everyone that does these that I've met is pretty cool. Like, I don't think I haven't met anyone that I don't like in my sport. Because they have to have a lot of patience, right? Like it's got to be somebody who's not a snap, snap, now, now, now person. It's somebody who at least has to be patient, right? Yes, you have to be patient. That could be why, you know, a lot of the ultra runners are maybe in their 30s, 40s, 50s, but now it's getting even younger. But um, I would say, gosh, there's so many qualities you kind of need. One of the most important qualities I think you need as an ultra runner is that mindset to just stay positive and also the mindset to be stubborn and... You know, because when you're doing these hundred milers, it's going to be a roller coaster, and you know that, and that's probably why you sign up for it. It's kind of like living a life in a day. You go through all those emotions. Like I will, I might be crying one minute and then laughing, and like the pain comes and goes and moves away. And you have to always just stay 
within yourself, run within yourself, run your own race and stay positive. And uh, then you'll get to that finish line. So at the end of that race, what happens uh-huh. now? You've come to the finish line. You, you're getting hugs. You're getting congratulations. And then what do we do? Well, I just want to go find my dad <laughs> on, on that 50K because I want to go and take pictures and stuff. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess I meant in general, Is are we talking beer parties or what do you oh, guys no. do? No, I mean, I guess some people uh, reward themselves with an IPA. I don't drink. I don't mm-hmm. drink beer. I just don't like the taste of it. I don't believe it's going to make me a better runner. I just, I don't really dig that. So, I mean, like the reward for me is just the race and the trails and the views and the lakes and the, you know, everything I get to see and experience and feel along the way, just being immersed in nature. And like, that's a reward in itself. I don't need like any special cupcake or like food (laughs) or like a frappuccino with a lot of junk on top. So yeah, for me, well, maybe I would need a coffee, but yeah, I just look forward to the run and like, you know, every race is different and you never, never know. You might be fully trained and ready to rip all tapered and then you have the worst race of your life and, (laughs) and, you know, vice versa. You just never know. It's like always a mystery, whatever the human body. Well, you know. Yeah. You, uh, so, well, plus I know, you know, from listening to your other podcast, embrace the suck. Right. Oh, yeah. It's going to suck for sure. <laughs> if you're running 100 miles, you are guaranteed it's going to suck at least five times, maybe more. <laughs> but I love that. That's that. the beauty. The beauty of it is like the mystery of the unknown in those 100 milers. Because there's not too much suffering. Like 50K, yeah, big deal. It's a little bit further than a marathon. 50 mile, not too bad. You know, bang it out in eight hours or whatever. It's not that terrible. And even 100K is not terrible. Like it starts getting painful, painful, or just more mentally, you know, you got to stay strong uh, at these hundreds. And, And now like 100 doesn't even sound that far. Now there's these 200 mile races that people are running. My friends have done awesome at and i haven't done that yet but i would like to oh we're gonna get to that so, because it's funny yeah. that you do and I, I was i had this down as a question it's funny that you do 100 mile races but you think yeah. the 200 milers are crazy <laughs> well yeah i mean you know it, it put it all in perspective but yeah i would say 100 milers it kind of seems like any kind of housewife or cookie baker or regular <laughs> type of person can just like it's like 100 mile is a new marathon like any it's seriously like they're they're filling up crazy there's lotteries to get in it's not how it was like when i first started 15 plus years ago um it's a different thing and like everyone's finishing 100 mile races so that's and okay it's true like okay first of all how many hours is this your your garden variety a uh, hundred mile race. How many hours of racing are you doing? When do you sleep, etc.? Sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no sleeping. The clock okay. is ticking, and there's cutoffs. So basically, when you're running a hundred miler, you'll have aid stations along the way. They're spread out, either you know every eight miles or fifteen miles, or maybe even more. Like at the two hundreds, they could be a marathon apart. So you got to carry a lot of stuff with you at some of these races. Um, uh, if you have problems with your feet, you probably want to attend to that. Or if you need to, 
change your clothes or something. But I mean, I never slept at a hundred miler. Um, at Badwater, I stopped and they had to kind of fix my feet for a while. And I was pulled off the course, uh, for some problems for like five hours. But I, I mean, I didn't sleep or anything. Um, so you've never, and, you don't nap or any of that stuff. You just run, mm, get your water, get whatever nutrition you need and you keep going. Yeah. I, I would say you, you could nap at Badwater. They give you enough time, like 48 hours. Uh, so if you have to, you probably could, but not at normal hundred milers. Normal you don't want to, you don't want to nap, but at the two hundreds, they do actually have sleeping stations Except my friends, uh, you Run know, by those. They're pretty, yeah, they're like high achievers. Of course, well, I guess anyone who runs a 200 is pretty, uh, driven. And so, so I see pictures of my friends, uh, well, like some of my friends paced my other friends that were racing and they're like, Michelle, don't like post this anywhere or show anyone, but this is like, uh, this guy and he just like slept on the face down on rocks you know just on the trail for five minutes like they barely sleep the dudes that are finishing like top three or they're not sleeping at all in 200 miles so (laughs) they're crazy right (laughs) yeah but crazy is a compliment yes i don't mean (laughs) it's a good crazy way yeah no yeah of course we're all kind of crazy you're you're a little crazy too i'm sure i am (laughs) yeah um well, look, I'm I'm an MMA podcast. I'm doing a uh, <laughs> I'm having on an ultra runner, but I insisted that when I started this, it was going to oh. be called MMA BJJ and life because this is part of life, and life can be means I can interview anyone about anything that I find interesting, and um, I just can't believe how lucky I was that you and I live in the same town, and I had an opportunity to meet you. So um, I know, like, what are the odds? And I'm only. I'm only at your location almost every single day of my life. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, but I, you know, I didn't know that you were an ultra runner and you didn't right. know that there was someone there that had this sort of fascination with your sport. So right. I'm fascinated with many, many things and this is just one of them. So that's great. I, lo- I love to hear that. Yeah, if it were, I mean, I could sit and probably do an hour on Jimi Hendrix. I could do an hour on on NBA basketball history. I can do an hour on Woodstock alone. I can do, you know, so yeah. I sort of have a lot of different interests. You know, I didn't know how close I would have, I hit the mark today saying that you should have a Kangol hat and a rope chain <laughs> gold encrusted 100, not even knowing you were a fan of rap. I am a fan of rap, big time. But, like, how could I have guessed that? I can't believe it. So, I don't know. Why did you even say that? It kind of came out of the blue. That Because that's the kind of comedic I wasn't rapping mind, to you. <laughs> that's the kind of comedic mind I, I think of situational comedy. And I can paint you a really, really quick example. So there's a, sure. a, there's a yoga instructor here named Sonny Ali who I really has become a friend of mine. We hang out now. I was, I'm his student. And one of the people came into Whole Foods and said, oh, you got to uh, practice uh, with this other guy named Anthony so-and-so at another right. studio. So I thought about that and she made it like, he's the truth, he's the best, you have to come try it. And I thought of, wait a minute, 
Sonny and Anthony, this could be like West Side Story, the Jets and the Sharks, and and I was thinking choreography, <laughs> you know, so... Oh, so, really? Yeah, so I can take any situation and, and sort of try to find a comedic angle, and that's what I did today, is like, wow, why isn't Michelle wearing a gold-encrusted 100 around her neck and wearing a Kangol hat? <laughs> so. And you never knew I like 50 Cent and Biggie no. Smalls and no. Dr. Dre and Tupac and had, had no idea. Snoop Dogg. I love all that. Isn't that weird that <laughs> how that came together? So Because, yeah, I don't. maybe I don't look like I love that, but I love that. Well, that's great. I mean, I think that's cool because I, music is love and it... And there's some, there's a music for everybody, and there's a somebody for every type of music, and um, there's no yeah. one type that's great for everybody. So agree, and I love running with music. Yeah, I we found that out actually on the podcast I listened to with Michelle. I found thanks out for that, listening. Yeah, of course, that you um, like to run with music, whereas some of your yeah. cohorts get bored of it. Some of them do right. podcasts, and you do music. Right. I do some podcasts, though, because I find that I learn a lot from podcasts. And it's a perfect time when you're running. There's no other distractions. Like, I can't really do podcasts at home because I'm just doing other things. But on the run, I I like podcasts and music. Well, I know somebody who has an esoteric MMA podcast that you can listen to. Okay, sure. uh, Sign me up. It's me. So, um, I said, what is MMA the other day? I know. <laughs> I am out of it, I guess. You're like, be enlightened. UFC, what, what is that? Um, <laughs> I know. Just forgive me. It just adds to your adorableness, frankly. Okay, um, thanks. So, <laughs> my adorable is with my rap gold chain and my weird hat your kangol hat yes you have to get a kangol hat i have to i have to find one for you and you know you definitely need to have the numeral 100 hanging around your neck <laughs> until you do the 200 mile race then we'll switch it to a 200 okay deal um so i want to talk a, a little bit about uh, the copper canyon and the sure so i knew him as the tarahumara but the actual, the yeah. proper name, is it the Ramari? How do you say the Indians' names down there? Raramari? Raramari. Okay, now I, don't, right. now, now I won't sound like an idiot. Um, so, of course, any of you that wrote, uh, read Christopher McDougall's famous book that spawned, a, you know, literally a generation of barefoot yes. runners. Um, right. Born to Run. Uh, is basically about he and Barefoot Ted, etc., going to meet this guy who was able to get an internet connection down there in the Copper Canyon area of Mexico and wanted to hold a race where Mm -hmm. some of the local Indians that he knew would run against uh, world-class runners like Scott Jurek. I remember his name in particular. Um, this is all from memory, by the way. I have not researched anything about. I haven't looked at that yeah. book in years, but but I remember Scott Jurek was the preeminent runner, and there's that iconic photo on the front where he's wearing shoes and he's running next to one of the Indians, and he's right. heel striking, whereas the Indians landing on his forefoot, right? Exactly. But he might not be actually heel striking. Like in some of those pictures, it looks like they're about to heel strike, but then they they don't. It's it's. But you never know. Like there's efficient heel strikers too. But yeah, 
I, I know what picture you're talking about. Scott, and there's a lot of are, characters. I'm, in, I'm sorry for yeah. calling you a heel striker, Scott. Forgive me. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's got wheels. Yeah, yeah I've seen, I seen Scott finish Western States, gosh, many times. And that's pretty. that was pretty legendary, you know, back when he was on top. I guess that was 2004 and five, and that, that was amazing time. He's a beast, obviously, from uh, what I read in the book. Um, mm -hmm. Was this, what was it like, you know, because obviously you read the book. What right. was it like to actually be there on the ground for the first time? Well, the coolest thing was actually being there with Barefoot Ted and his wife and the whole Luna Sandals team, like, my awesome teammates, Mayo and Eric and Snoop Dogg and Patrick Sweeney. And I mean, it was like a dream come true. It was just the Barranca del Cobra, the Copper Canyons. Just, uh, I mean, you have to just go there to see it with your own eyes. I did not expect such beauty. Just amazing. The people, so warm. And just, you just connect with these people. I mean, like, I made a few friends down there, and I feel like we'll probably be friends for life. They live wow. in Chihuahua, and, I mean, I would say that was probably one of the top three experiences or trips of my entire life, and I cannot wait to go back next year. It yeah, was just unlike anything. You know, you're just, like, dive into this world, and it feels like you're back a hundred years ago or something, just like these dudes running in jeans and just like these handmade sandals. And one of my friends that I met down there actually gave me one of those authentic pair of tire sandals. And oh my gosh, they must weigh like two pounds each. I'll show you <laughs> sometime. Yeah. But wow, they run in that. That's crazy. Because the Luna sandals are very light, very flexible, very comfortable, but... Yeah, those people are just amazing. I loved it. You know, I actually have a pair of Luna sandals, and I think you've inspired me that I need to start running in them again. Do you? Yeah, I do. Oh, they just came out with a new line, and it's really nice. They kind of, like, changed all the models for 2017. Yeah, I just I actually but, went to the webpage yeah. and looked. They're beautiful. The bottom mm -hmm. looks really cool. Yeah, they're yeah. really... Rugged. Yeah. Got the Vibram sole. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to put my. I think I'm gonna have to do a run with my sandals on. I think you you've inspired me to, because I've been wearing the five fingers, but maybe I need to go more minimalist. Yeah, and you I'll should be check cool. it out. Okay. But that race was incredible. I mm -hmm. didn't know what to expect. It was very very hot. Like in my opinion, which was a super surprise. I mean, I've run Badwater, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I've paced there four times and been there many times but uh for some reason to me this caballo blanco race felt almost as hot as bad water and it wasn't but just like down in the canyons just so just baking down there and uh i kind of went more for not really competition this time just to really like immerse myself and soak in the whole experience and just you know running with these people that maybe you never see again in your life. And there was actually like 750 Raramaris. There was over 1,000 children in the kids race and they had their race the day before. And it was just awesome. Some, some of the kids were running completely barefoot and then 
at the end, uh, they get medals, and these medals were donated by one of my sponsors, Mas Karima, which is like a panole-based uh, kind of chia drink. You just mix with water. You can put honey in it. But um, So this company um, put out a request, I believe on Facebook, and they asked just anyone to please donate some medals from their races. So that's what the kids ended up getting. So at the end of their race... Um, <laughs> the kid might have a 100-mile uh, award or they might have a 5K award from Disneyland or some 10K award from Florida. Like, all the medals were different. They were all <laughs> donated. And the kids were, like, so happy. It was so amazing. Yeah, like, so, who cares? They're getting, a, they're getting a medal. They're happy to get something, aren't they? That's yeah. awesome. Wow. And so where, tell me, like, what were the accommodations? What was the setup? What was the whole the thing? You know what I mean? Um, well, we actually kind of took our time getting down there. So we um, flew into Phoenix. Like, the team met there. And then the owners of Moss Karima, Mike and Kimberly Miller, kind of hosted us. And we had, like, three shuttle buses. It was, like, the Luna team and then the Moss Karima um, team and we kind of like the first day we drove to Creel, which is awesome. Like I have never heard of these places, mm -hmm. but it's at altitude. We did like some training runs there. We just you know walked around town. There's a million friendly dogs like ah. all around you, like that have no home. And um, we did some runs that kicked my butt because it was like above eight thousand foot elevation. And it was just gorgeous. And then after Creel, we went to uh, a place which was like a lodge above the Copper Canyon, like say on the top. Because mm -hmm. when you go to the bottom, that's Eureka, and that's where the race is held. So we spent like a couple nights at the top of the canyon. And that was amazing because we had um, a former winner of the Caballo Blanco race, uh, Miguel Lara, kind of give us a. Uh, like a private run through his like uh, special trails, like native trails and took us to his home and to like his daughter's school and just places you would never even find. They're just like hidden in there. And um, so we got to see a lot of things like the general public would probably never see just because we were kind of with barefoot Ted and mm -hmm. that whole crew. Yeah. And, and he's been the down there probably a number of times, right? Right, because this was actually the 10th anniversary of Luna Sandals. And this was the 15th anniversary of the Caballo Blanco race. So it's been around a while, and it's growing. Like, there's a lot of runners there. And so, so I was... Go ahead, yeah, please. Please continue. I was really glad to kind of experience those two places en route to Enrique, because I actually think the place on the top of the canyon was my favorite because it was just at higher altitude, a little bit more foresty and mm -hmm. gorgeous. And the host really good, took good care of us. Like we had coffee, we had really good food, and we actually did like a really amazing uh, sweat lodge. We had a shaman. that So we did like some cool campfire ceremonies and singing and chanting at night. And then this uh, sweat lodge was pretty awesome. I've never done that in my life. I don't yeah, know I saw have, that, that photo. You, oh, my gosh. Like, I was ready for uh, some something crazy, but it didn't get 
extremely uncomfortable, but it was pretty cool because they were just chanting and adding these like hot lava rocks into this thing, and we were in there about an hour, so it was amazing. That so. is that is so rad. It looked hot in there. I was like, oh man, I hope she can breathe. Yeah. So. <laughs> Right. I loved it. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna try to get Brent in here. Sure. He's, he's ready to get on. Let me see if I can get him, get him in here. Um, I don't see. Okay, so he's B A. Okay. His name does not appear like I thought it would. So let me see if I can um, show profile for Brent. There is live B A. Oh, okay. I'm showing him online. Okay. So let me try to this is you know some of the difficult things with uh with skype sometimes it's a little bit of a pain let me see if i can live well in the there meantime i can just talk yes you can talk <laughs> actually he's gonna he's gonna be oh, on okay. right now i think all right brent okay. you there hello brent can you hear me let me see. Do you hear me, Michelle? Yeah, but I don't hear Brent. Okay, now 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 he's there. Brent. Now I'm here. Yes. Hi Brent. Hello. Hi. Alright, we're all on board. We're we are all on board. She was just telling us about um being down in Mexico and doing that run. Have you ever heard of that book Born to Run, Brent? Uh yes I have. I have not read it, but I have heard about it. It is awesome. I nice. read it years ago. Yeah, it's about that uh, the barefoot running movement, how it sort of started, uh, beginning with this race down in the Copper Canyon in Mexico, which yeah. Michelle went and ran this year, and she was kind of telling us one of the hotter races you've ever been to, other than Badwater. Absolutely, <laughs> and just one of the most magical. This everything about it. It's right next to a river. So some people were just kind of stopping in the river and cooling off during the race. And there were some pretty big climbs. But overall, I'd say it was like a fire road with really pretty views. And just that's a lot of runners for a 50 miler. Like around here, there's not usually 750 or so runners at a 50 miler. So that was really cool. And just a beautiful country and amazing people. How about the drinking and eating and stuff? That's a good question. We actually ate every meal at this place called Mama Titties, and she was amazing. Like, she's like a cute little grandma, and all of her food is pretty cool. Like, you basically drink all bottled stuff, bottled water or soda, whatever you like. The guys are drinking beer and stuff. But um, I was fine with that, and I'm a vegetarian, so it was mostly like tortillas and guacamole and chips and that's about it so what about um, the banana pancakes <laughs> i don't know i don't eat pancakes you don't eat pancakes <laughs> no why would i want but and i don't even eat bananas really you don't eat bananas either <laughs> not really wow i don't um, know is, is that your favorite thing banana well, pancakes <laughs> well that was a part of the book was that that lady who made the the pancakes with the banana and the rice and some sort of nuts in there, and they talked about how good it was, so you better believe I went and looked up that recipe and was making those pancakes at home. So That's probably made with the panole, right? Um, like the corn maze? 
I remember goat milk and stuff like that. I remember hearing about mm. panole, but that was something they used for like on the trail, right? Didn't you eat that on the trail or no? Yeah, for definitely. For yes. Okay, yeah, that I remember that and of course obviously everyone learned about chia seeds after that. Uh-huh. <laughs> All the rage. Yep. The new, one of the newest superfoods. Yes. Damn. Every year there's a that comes out that we have to eat. I know. So I it's goji berries this year, or maybe that. Maybe I'm passe, and it was last year. But I think goji berries was like 2010. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, see, I'm out of the loop when it comes to superfood trends. Right. I tried um, those. Now, some of the people I thought I had heard that they wear a very light um, sandal in that race. It's like a piece of leather, almost, with some uh, string holding it together. Yeah, they're, most of the runners do wear the Hirachi, so they are handmade sandals made cut from the tire, and uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, gosh, 98% of the runners and other, some of the women were wearing just these, like, really plasticky sandals that, you know, you could get for a dollar or two, and they were just ripping it, like, hauling wow. ass in these like jelly sandal kind of things. It was incredible. Like it just goes to show that you don't need all these like unnecessary extra kind of gadgets. Like you can just run. It's just yourself in the trail and go. And but yeah, what we saw there was super different than like a, a race in the United States for sure. Go ahead, Brent. I'm sorry. Well, I, you know, I don't think your sponsors would appreciate that, but um, <laughs> the, uh, that's like, I don't need all this. Well, I, I wore Lunas. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the Luna sandals are, Brent? They're basically like a, a modern American adaptation of those sandals that she runs in. Wow. But See, the I original wore... ones were made down there in Copper Canyon, you know, when Barefoot Ted and Manuel Luna uh, made those. And now it's just progressed into what you saw on the website and so it's pretty different than kind of what it used to be. But there is no experience other than, like, running in sandals. You can feel, I mean, it's just cool to feel the wind. And if you're running on wet grass, you just, like, more senses are kind of, like, ignited. And it's just more fun overall to run in sandals for me. Well, so. it seems like a dichotomy going on when, when it comes to that, too. Because there's the minimalist shoes and then there's the mm -hmm. maximalist that are really yeah. With like the the Hoka brand and so forth, kind of coming on. Absolutely, yeah. You see a ton of Hokas at the races and ultras, all kind of different brands. Right. So everyone is different. Yeah, I would say like you know Luna's is not for everyone, but you could definitely like it's an adventure sandal, so you could definitely like walk around in it if you're not going to run ultras in it. Super comfortable and awesome. What is your conversation like with people that are wearing a maximalist shoe? Or do you guys oh. not broach that subject at the races? Oh, no, I'm buddies <laughs> with people that would, no, I won't discriminate on that. Like, I, I would never do that. Like, <laughs> but, um, I mean, I don't really, like, try to convert people into wearing Lunas and stuff. Um, I mean, <laughs> plenty of people are doing well. And, uh, I mean, like, look at Jim Walmsley, like, this guy, he's just tearing it up, winning everything in Hoka's. A lot of like amazing sponsored runners, runners in Hoka's, and I mean, for me, it just didn't work for me. I tried them, and I just, you know, I tried them long, long time ago. But 
that's just not my thing. I like to feel more of the ground, you know, DJ. What is your dad running It's a different... He's running an Ultras, which is a zero drop, and it has the wider forefoot, but it has cushion. Not so much like a Hoka, but it definitely is not like a barefoot where you can be feeling the ground. Um, So... So he's kind of, kind of there. He loves the ultras, though. Guess who has a and pair of those? He tears too? you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. You have the superiors. <laughs> I don't remember. I bought them in probably oh. right after I got out of the Air Force in like 2012. I bought them. I don't remember what kind they are, but I've used them recently on the trail. Yeah. I'm just figuring out, trying to figure out what I need to wear. So. Um, I need to, I'm yeah. going to put on the Luna sandals. I have Luna sandals too, Brent. I have five fingers, Luna sandals, New Balance, Minimus. I've, you know, got everything minimalist basically. So it's well, funny, what's I... your favorite? And that's what I need to find out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you might not do enough mileage like she does to really get the feel no. for her. No, no, we're talking like two miles, you know. <laughs> yeah, but that's fine. Like two miles is better than no miles. There's nothing wrong with two miles. <laughs> I know. I'm talking to someone who does like 98 more miles, but anyway. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> You're but, out there. That's the point. I see you out there on the trail, so. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there, man. I'm trying to get there and just you know, stay in shape and stuff like that. So I go and right. wrestle around with Brent, go to yoga, you know, all that. Wrestle around with Brent? What is, is that the MMA or the Jiu-jitsu other one? The Jiu-Jitsu, okay. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu stuff. <laughs> she doesn't know what no, jiu is. Oh, uh, okay. No, we just get together on the weekends and kind of wrestle around like a couple of bears. Um, <laughs> That'll make you strong. That's true. Which one's the grizzly and which one's the black bear? <laughs> Well, he's the grizzly. I'll put it to you that way. Okay. <laughs> okay, Brent. <laughs> so, um, I think I think part of uh, why DJ had me on today as well was to kind of uh, approach the subject of mindset because I'm sure uh-huh. that's a, a gigantic uh, conversation when it comes to these ultra marathons. Maybe even you've spoken about it ad nauseum. I myself am a marriage and family therapist, so I've dealt with uh, treating a lot of. Uh, addiction and um, mm-hmm. things of that sort, and then obviously mindset. I never did sports psychology because I just right. uh, I just felt that it was uh, a little bit of a misuse of my abilities when there's people suffering in the world. Uh, I don't. I didn't feel like I wanted to go uh, follow people on the golf tour when I could help someone who's like you know sick and suicidal or something. But but anyway, um, I I don't know if this is the right, right. time to. Sh- if toward that, but I, I had definitely had some questions. DJ, you're the it's your show. Please, I don't want to. Please, I, yeah, bring it on. Right I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm gonna listen. You know, and, learn. and 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 you might have stopped me if you guys have covered this already. But my first question is: Do you does your mind have a place where it ever says stop? Oh gosh, yeah, at mile eighty. But <laughs> you don't. Well, it says it, and then you don't listen to it, right? Yeah, oh gosh, you know, your mind will try to do crazy things and get you to stop and play tricks on you, and like uh, DJ and I were talking about a little bit earlier, but you have to just stay positive and be stubborn and just, I mean, you can't give in to that, like your mind is trying to get you 
to stop him. Like your your body is going through what normal people don't usually put it through. So it's gonna do things to go to the negative. Yeah. And, like, say, oh, I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad person. What am I doing here? Like, this is wrong. Like, this hurts. Like, I suck. Everything is, like, I mean, I've cried at races. And then, it, like, five minutes later, I'm, like, skipping down the trail or whatever. But, yeah. So, it, it's so mental, these 100-mile races. It's crazy. Like, because your mind is going to control your body, obviously. So, I mean, and it takes practice, I think. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So it's definitely huge. Negative part. spiral start where you begin that uh, self talk, and then it just continues to like, I'm, I'm, I, you know what, my body does. Like, are you hearing messages of there's something wrong with my body? Like, does your mind send you messages where it's going like, I'm getting dizzy, I must be dehydrated, I'm getting, you know, I'm too hungry, I haven't taken in enough calories, my sugar's getting low. Do you? Does your mind go in that direction? Yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, my mind definitely goes negative, uh, at hundred milers, I would say at some point in time. And yeah, what you just said is a cue, like, um, you know, you have to fuel your body and you're taking like these sweet things and trying to fuel your body on a consistent basis. And after a while, you're just like, I am so sick of eating and drinking and, and so you kind of like might stop and get behind on your fueling. And that's when like your energy just drops and it goes negative. So you got to just stay on top of the sugars and the carbs and calories. And fortunately, like my stomach is really strong and nothing really upsets it. Or like I never get a stomach ache or anything. I mean, I've thrown up at stuff at races, hundred milers, but that's kind of normal sometimes. But, uh, yeah, so with the negative thing, you just, you got to just uh, stick to the plan. And you you have to, like, sort of expect that it is going to go that way and just stay in the driver's seat, like, stay in control of it and just, like, recognize it and then just, like, you got to keep moving and just stay on track. Like, I mean, there's also, are you injured or are you not, like, there's been races where I've had problems. For example, I start peeing blood. So you have to recognize that and think, well, am I really going to be damaging my kidneys? Or, I mean, there's races where I've had injuries where I tore my meniscus and then, I mean, I keep going. But so, I mean, you just have to kind of like recognize that yourself and, and know, is this destructive? Is this really going to hurt me for a long time? Or this is just like, oh, my quads hurt. Oh, I wonder why. I'm like at mile 90. Like, suck it up <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know, like, come on. <laughs> you got to get to that finish line. You're doing basic triage, right? So the way that they would do it, like <laughs> af the aftermath of an earthquake in an emergency room. Like, this person has a yeah. broken leg, so they can wait. But this person has a Oh, yeah, that's a, yeah, you could say that. Right. So yeah, just recognizing what's going on. And if it's just like, oh, I'm stupid. I forgot to take any calories the last two hours because I didn't feel like it. So, like, let's get back on track. Right. Or taking care of a blister or just it could be anything. Yeah. So have you run to what you believe is your body's limit? Like, you know, there's no. the mile race where they set it and, and then, and then mm -hmm. so now you have a goal of 100 miles but have you ever just gone okay how far can I go um 
Yeah, I I kind of am at that point where right now my longest race has been Badwater, which is 135 miles. And now these 200 milers are popping up in Europe and in the States. And so I would like to do that next year. Um, I kind of am on this kick of trying to do new races because I've done a lot of the same races in Southern California. And I really like kind of branching out now into Canada and the Mexico and just different things. So um, with, with, yeah, the question of have I reached a limit or I would say no, you know, you can always kind of go further. The 100 milers nowadays, these guys are running it in like 13 hours uh, are actually less like Zach Bitter ran one in like 11 hours, a hundred miles. So, um, yeah, 200 miles, definitely like further than 200. I'm not going to say if I would be interested in like at this point, I would say 200, like that's like what, five, six days of running or something. That's probably good enough for me, at least for now. Well, you know, some of this has to do with the fact that somebody came up with the idea. Right, so somebody came up with the idea of a hundred miles, and probably yeah. when that idea first came out, it seemed absolutely ridiculous. And now somebody's come out with the idea of two hundred miles, and right. and people are going, well, now that's doable. So then, will there be a point where we where at three hundred miles, everyone goes, okay, no, like that? Well, is- they actually do have those races. They have thousand mile races. They have like seven day races. They have 500K races. They have all kinds of stuff. Those aren't uh, so mainstream or popular, like how the 100 milers are just really like, oh, yeah, let's run 100 next weekend kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I would would say, like, right now, it's kind of crazy how many of the long, long races there are. So you can pick your poison. Yeah. (laughs) But it really is a testament to the idea of no limitations. It's the every time somebody kind of puts a a goal out there, people are able Uh to achieve and then surpass it. Yeah, it's really remarkable. Obviously, there's a limitation on time, which is that there's only 24 hours in a day and a human being can only stay awake for so long. So you're going to run into that uh, as a limiting factor in terms of just running flat out with no like sleep and breaks like that will always right human beings won't be able to skip well for right now well they they some of the front runner guys don't sleep at the 200 milers and other guys during these long races maybe 200 or longer will plan out their sleep schedule like they might sleep 20 minutes a pop and get really good at those uh naps or just sleep a few hours but yeah you're gonna have to sleep at some point, like one of my friends ran the Vol State 500K, and uh, this is like going across three states back east, like Tennessee, and so he just like slept under some random uh, overpass, like some, and there was a lightning storm going on. So yeah, at one point you're just gonna have to need sleep for sure. Right, but then besides the sleep as a factor, it seems like people can just go, all right, I'm just gonna keep running forever. <laughs> like oh <Forrest> man <laughs> i know exactly these people are turning into like super bionic robots the voices yeah. you're hearing is that of ultra runner michelle barton local laguna <laughs> Niguel badass and uh, my partner brent Littell, 
black belt under Felipe Della Monica of Gracie Baja and Eddie Bravo. Please continue. Oh yeah, oh, and yeah. um, you're not now. Do you have headphones in, or I'm I'm somewhat you know a novice when it comes to understanding your sport. Oh, uh, when you, I'm. Yeah, when you're running an ultra marathon, are you listening to anything? Are you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I will definitely like. That's one of the cues. Something might be going like spiraling down if if I don't feel like listening to music, then something's wrong. <laughs> but yeah, I love running in music. So. I mean, there might be a point where I turned it off for a little ways or like one race I did back in Arizona. It's a really popular, I would say it's the second largest hundred miler in the United States. It's called Havelina and it's a loop course. So it's a 15 mile loop washing machine, which means that you're switching distances every loop. So it's like counterclockwise first time, then counter uh, clockwise. And so it goes back and forth. And uh, so that's a pretty fun one. There's like Oh gosh, probably 500 people or more that do that one. But uh, that one was crazy. Like, pretty awesome. I was trying to figure um, out how your battery stays good for that long if you're listening to music. Well, that one, like, I would turn off the iPod for the first loop and then start it on the second. So then I have enough battery. Or sometimes I'll have two or three iPods. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, got you it. know, those, okay. like, little shuffles, the little guys that yep. are tiny? So, yeah, I'll just have backups because I don't like to run out of battery. <laughs> well, yeah, that could be then the thoughts come in. So as part of the, the music, uh, an assistance in disassociating from what's happening, meaning like uh, it, take, it takes you to a different place, the music, so that you're not focusing on your body, where you are, what you're doing at that moment. Uh, for me, the music definitely helps me. Yes, definitely. Like gets me in a good mood and gets me maybe a little bit like takes a little pain away or something makes me happier somehow um and some races don't allow music just for the rules and i don't really like like that um (laughs) yeah they say maybe it helps you too much or else it's just actually for safety because there's wildlife in the area or something like that like they want you to hear if there's some cars or something like that no oh, bear. bears and stuff like the yeah. <laughs> mountain lions, or right? Mountain lion, but by that time, I think it's too late. But yeah, yeah. I you was know. actually running in Santa Cruz, and I got stalked by a mountain lion. No what? way! I went, I went to UC Santa Cruz briefly in undergrad before I went to UCLA, and I was, I yeah. used to run, I used to run back then, and I would do between about forty to sixty miles a week. Right and on. Yeah, no longer could I do that, but I think I would die. But um, but I was running, and I felt you just felt I felt a presence, and then I saw something hopping up and down as I was running at my pace, and I've never gotten such an adrenaline kick uh, as I got at that moment, and I like sprinted as fast as I could. I guess that's probably the wrong thing to do because then you become prey. But I ran out into the road because I was on like a trail that was near a road, and ran out. Oh. Into the road. Ran over there hoping like the car noises would scare him off or whatever. But I'm here, so obviously that worked out. But you actually saw it? You're not supposed to run. I know. But you know what? You're, I was just like, I got to get out of here. It, uh, it's yeah. A, fight or flight, and I flight. Right. I should have froze. When you said yeah. you felt his presence, was that kind of like Darth Vader felt Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> was on the Death Star? Exactly. I could see his aura through the trees, and then Ooh. Okay. I knew. 
Um, so DJ, uh, I I saw mountain lions on our trail. What? Before? Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. You're uh, in Southern yes. California. Got mountain lions. Oh yeah, at at Sea View Park, and um, you know they usually disappear before you actually realize. Like your brain is like, wait, this is not a dog. This is not a coyote. This is not a deer. This is wait. This looks like it should be in Africa. It has a long tail. It's massive, and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Fortunately. But one time one growled at me, because I wow. run early in the morning and sometimes in the dark in the morning, but I was with a friend one morning running and we're like, uh-oh, that's not good. What did you do? But, um, we were running, we had just headlamps and we just ran, which was stupid, of course. Away? But <laughs> exactly. we just ran by and we were like, yep. what was that? <laughs> oh man, that's when I wish but, I had yeah. Been. A knife or a spear or something. <laughs> right. Very scary. It's okay. So, They're nice kitties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, um, another kind of idea, you know, when DJ told me about this, I was, I was thinking yeah. a lot about it. And there's this thing in jiu-jitsu is we get injured a lot um, because uh-huh. it's a high contact sport um, and our knees and our, our bodies just take a beating. And there's a certain point where we start where some people start to say, not me, but is this worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Is it putting my body through worth it? I'm sure that you've gone through this same discussion with people and with yourself and with maybe, you know, loved ones and so forth. And how do you kind of rationalize what you're doing in order to help you? Because there also, be, and I know this is a long question, but there's also a point where too much exercise can actually be detrimental, Right. Well, I mean, this is what makes me feel most alive. I love mountains. Yes, I've had injuries over the last 15 years, broken bones and all kinds of things. But, uh, I mean, I've never had a family intervention because fortunately my dad is an ultra runner and my daughter is just like, okay, this is normal. Like, grandpa and mom are going out for like whatever 50-mile run and Um, and I think like my family and cousins and everyone just thinks it's kind of just what I do and it's pretty cool. And, uh, so, um, I would say with the injuries and stuff, I I don't think like that's gonna, that would stop me or anything like that. Just those things kind of pop up and it's kind of with the territory because we're placing high demands on our body a lot of miles um, and a lot of years racing. And I mean, I used to race almost every weekend ultras. So it's a lot, but also I kind of try to be smart about it and incorporate a lot of swimming and a lot of biking, not just running. Cause I think if you're just doing the one thing, then certain muscles are going to just automatically get weaker and then maybe you'll just plateau and stay at the same level if you just keep running, 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 slow, 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 whatever, a um, lot of miles. So um, maybe my approach is maybe a little bit different. Like a lot of ultra runners I know maybe don't bike and swim so much, but I love it. So even if maybe I'm uh, not as fast, but I don't, I don't know if that's really affected me, you know, like slowing me down on my races just because I start biking and swimming. But I, I love all that stuff, so I'm going to keep doing it. But I and think could, it helps, yeah. 
And conversely, it may have actually kept you in the sport longer and you don't even realize it because like right. you were, if you had been only running, you might have some impact injuries that would have prevented you from mm -hmm. continuing. So Absolutely. And I also think that, you know, staying on the dirt and the trails really helps because, I mean, running on the road and Pain running fast there. on the road, that's just... That, that will kill. Like, you'll get a lot more injuries, I believe. That way, even when I ran Badwater, it probably wasn't smart, but I trained on trails and didn't do too much road running. But since the pavement at Badwater is so hot, it feels soft to me, and it didn't <laughs> feel like a typical road. So, Yeah, probably is almost like tar in tar state at that point. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't super hard. And one of the things I wanted to fill Brent in on, I had asked her how she yeah. got into this. Like, did she have a traditional athletic background with team sports mm -hmm. and all this sort of thing that made her, gave her that endurance, that mind that, that wouldn't let her quit? And it turns out that it was her dad. The whole thing yeah. comes back to a connection with her dad and running, uh, her dad taking her trail running and then... And then, right, Michelle, and then... Yeah, and backpacking, like, mm -hmm. ever since, I think, one of my first overnight trips was here locally on San Gregorio, and he always made it fun and let me bring a friend, and then going to Yosemite on week-long trips, and uh, then my dad was running road marathons for many years with his friends, and one of his friends happened to be running the Western States 100-miler, and that one is the oldest, most prestigious race and uh that's kind of how the hundred miler was born uh one of my friends his name is gordy ainsley um there is a race called the tevis cup which is a horse race it's a hundred mile horse race so i guess the day before the race his horse came up lame and he's just like oh screw it i don't care i'm gonna just run this and <laughs> so he did and he finished and so that's uh kind of the birth of the hundred mile right there and now the western states hundred is like the one of the best if not the best hundred milers though it is in the united states and it, it could take you like 10 years to get into it because so many people want in and they only have like 370 spots for runners and there's like 8,000 or something that apply but it's a beautiful it starts in squaw valley and it um, runs all the way to auburn so over the sierras and it's pretty awesome that's actually happening like next weekend so high altitude, pretty cool right yeah um in the beginning in the high country in squaw valley you go up to i believe 7800 feet and then it gradually drops down but yeah for us like we live right here at the ocean so it, it's a little bit high altitude yes wow and when is your next race if you don't mind me asking um, my next race is in three weeks it's sinister seven 100 miler in alberta canada in crow's nest pass and I ran that three years ago, um, and I really fell in love with Canada and the mountains there. It's just absolutely different than here. It's a lot more just like glacier-built, rocky, steep, just a lot of ridges. And um, so this one is has about 19,000 feet of climbing overall, which is kind of average for a 100-miler. And they give you 30 hours to complete it. <laughs> 19,000 feet. Uh, that doesn't sound like too much. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, some airplanes don't climb that high. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, you, well, you would know. That's your background. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so. Well, you're not going You're not going to 19,000 feet. You're saying that over the course of it, yes. the up and down, 
it, it adds up. It is the summation of all of the up and down. Yes. The cumulative vertical gain is, yeah, that much. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Because <laughs> otherwise you'd be running from the bottom, uh, like, sea level up to the top of Everest if you were doing that. So. Yeah, well, that would be Yeah, Everest cool. is 29,000 feet, I think. So. Is it? Yeah. I think so, yeah. It's very, I think very so. The guy just ran it in, like, uh, a couple, I forget, two days or something like that. Well, well Killian Journey ran it twice in one week, so pretty amazing. <laughs> I believe God. he did it in 17 hours the last time, and he said it could be doable in, like, 12 or 13 He's probably the best ultra runner out there. So, well, yeah. shout, shouts to Wim Hof. He made it to twenty-one thousand feet without clothes other than shorts and boots or oxygen. Jeez. So, um, shouts to Wim Hof. Uh, I got to drag you down to the beach, Michelle. Do some Wim Hof no. and some swimming. Come on. I don't like the beach. You don't go. You'll the... never get me to the beach ever. You, you don't like swimming there. It's so amazing. <laughs> no. I feel like. I feel so amazing when I get to that beach that you saw the other day on uh, yeah. the Facebook. Yeah, that part of Laguna Beach by the Montage. There's a reef there, and I feel so at home when I get in the water there. It feels. Oh man! I like. There. Go ahead, guys. Somebody. Think that I think that that beach got like a really bad rating. Was it that beach for um, its its uh, bacteria levels? Like they came out today. Oh. Please don't. I just like that island down there by the montage, the Goff Island. Yeah. So that's pretty, but I am not a beach person at all. My daughter is, but I don't like it. It's all about the cold water and the swimming. I don't like cold water, and I like swimming in 80 degrees (laughs) in my pool. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather be in a sauna than be like in the cold, freezing water. Come on, you and the kids. That's (laughs) brutal. Oh, wait, hold on a second. That takes some mental strength right there, DJ. You and, McKen- you and yeah. Mackenzie are boys, though. Come on. You and Brian Mackenzie. <laughs> shout out. We're homies. What's up, Brian? B-Mac. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he hasn't tried to get you into this yet? Uh, not exactly. No? I kind of s- stay a little bit away from that. <laughs> but no, some of my friends are coached. Some of my friends are coached by B-Mac, who are ultra runners, and they love him, and He's helped them out, and they he's gone through all those breathing, uh, you know, those weekend kind of things he does, and they've learned a lot from it and done the cold immersions. I don't want to do that, really. <laughs> <laughs> I will do hot immersions. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has their strength and weakness, man. So, you know, it's everybody. Right. It's, it's so funny that people that are so strong in one thing that are weak in another. You know what I'm talking about, Brent. There's guys yeah. that can you know yeah. are amazing in jiu-jitsu they're not good in they're not good in mma guys that are great in mma who aren't as great on the mat i mean it's just you know what i mean you so, could put me um right. on the mat for two hours straight and i could roll and most guys can only do about a round of what eight minutes and they're huffing and puffing wow yeah. i have no problem with that but if you ask me to run a mile and a half i don't know if i would make it right now <laughs> <laughs> well you just have to try <laughs> that's true because as i've learned the only real limitations that we have are the limitations we put on ourselves because we have 100 mile, 200 mile, 300 mile, 1,000 mile. And it seems yeah. like there will eventually be somebody who just forced gumps it and continually runs who f- ends up funding a lot of these, <laughs> these runners. Because, you know, as you, as you talk, it's like a lot of these races are out of town. Um, it's not a, a viewer-friendly sport. Nobody's going, you know, ABC isn't going to 
want to run this every weekend. So how do are these people getting sponsorships and are the sponsorships actually covering them? Because in our sport, the sponsorships are like, here's some free gear and uh, we'll pay your, your we'll pay your entrance fee of 150 bucks. And there you go. Oh, you you have to pay to do the fighting. <laughs> well, the um, like if you were going to compete in a tournament, you have to pay. Right. So like for you, if you had to race, the race doesn't have any entry fees. It does. It has entry fees, but I uh, usually either know the race director or something, <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, um, well, I have a ton of sponsors, and each sponsor is different. You know, there's contracts that some is just product, and other uh, companies have the incentive, you know, to win, and right. not just win. Uh, say if you are in a magazine or on the cover mention the product positively or on some kind of news or interview, then like there's different ways uh, to make the contract work. So yeah, it's all different. I mean, yeah, there's definitely people that in the U S and around the world that are doing this, um, full time and just able to like, you know, Killian, he's uh, a sponsor his main sponsor is Solomon, and so Solomon uh, pretty much backs him up for any adventure he contrives in his head, and he's done some pretty epic stuff, so it's pretty amazing. But a lot of my friends, you know, they'll go to work eight hours a day and then come home from work and bang out a half marathon and then train hard on the weekend, and that that's difficult. I mean, that, that's a lot of time invested in you don't have a lot of time if you have that eight hours of work in the day so i really respect that but yeah this and is essentially this your recovery job. i'm sorry i'm sorry Brent. yeah oh, no. go ahead th th this is essentially your job you're sponsored right um Michelle? yeah i have a lot of different sponsors over the last 15 years and most of my sponsors i've kind of had for almost 10 years so i'm really fortunate and gosh a bunch of them are in our area here, so wow! Please, it's pretty neat. Please mention. Please, please share. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who, who, no, I mean mention. Who are they? Who are your? Do you want to? Uh, the Targo. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in Irvine. There's Nathan Sports, that's near Huntington Beach, like their headquarters. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also Inkenburn, that's kind of near the Disneyland area. Mm-hmm. Like, so, and then, uh, th I mean, there's so many in the U.S., and I even have a few sponsors that are in Europe, like in London and in France and in Canada, and so it's kind of cool. Have you thought about racing, like, somewhere overseas, like Oh, I would love to race in Europe. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I love traveling. I will go anywhere. I would love to race in Europe. Man, yeah, shoot. but it comes down to, you know, it does cost to travel and all that. And, you know, sponsors really aren't going to pay for that unless you're like maybe Killian. Right. Okay. So. <laughs> They're like, he's the Michael Jordan, I suppose, of your sport. Absolutely. So, all right. Yeah. All right, Brent, if, do you have anything else for Michelle? Otherwise, we're going to let her go. We've kept her about an hour and 15 minutes. Um, that went by really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Great questions on Brent's part. No, I think I, I think that's about it. It's just is um is this the reason that most of your sponsors here is Southern California a hub for ultra marathoning because we have the 
Death Valley nearby and stuff? Well, I think with SoCal, I mean, we can <laughs> run in the sandals and shorts. And, I mean, we can run all year long, every day. It could be a blessing or a curse because, really, you can race every weekend. There's no kind of off-season. And so I will just run all the time and then basically maybe get injured because I can't take days off. It's too nice outside to, to <laughs> like control myself and not run. So... Um, in other parts of the world, like my friends in Canada, oh my gosh, they have winter for like seven, eight months of the year. So then they do other sports, which is maybe conducive, you know, just to your, giving your body a break from all those like running miles and doing like ski mountaineering or whatever other kind of winter sports you can do. But um, yeah, I would say SoCal is like really, really popular. There's a good scene for ultras. Yeah. And I know that because um, I lo I go to the Big Island in Hawaii. Uh, oh yeah, that's a they have a huge because they do the Ironman there, but they have like a yes. huge contingency of of running that goes on there because they also have a, a really big altitude change. If you uh, there the mountain there uh, goes from from right. sea level to oh, I forget how high, but it's actually the tallest mountain in the world if you don't include altitude. It's <laughs> amazing. The base of it is so deep in the ocean, and then how to the tip of it that's uh, up in the sky, Mauna Kea. So, yeah, so they have a ton. So I know that's a hub as well because I, whenever I go there, that's how I found out about Hoka's. Is they have like these, a bunch of running shops that are right there in the town. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, and so every one of them was like really like pushing the. My wife has run like a half marathon and stuff, so she was. Like, oh, good for her. Yeah, she'll get back. They... She wants other, but yeah. Yeah, there's a 100-mile race there called the Hurt 100, mm -hmm. and uh, that's just like slippery routes for 100 miles. It's 20-mile loops. I haven't done that one, but wow, it seems really gnarly. <laughs> um, a lot of, lot of gain, and I guess it's get, pretty beautiful, but that's a tough one in its, gotta, it, its own way. You got to watch out for wild boar, too. <laughs> That's what they sound like when they're coming to get you. <laughs> I love it. I love the worst of the use, the use of the word gnarly because I didn't grow up in Southern California, so it wasn't <laughs> part of the normal lexicon, you know. But it it so is here because I hear rad and say, gnarly. Yeah, rad. I've I've kind of used that one, but gnarly oh, okay. I heard like on Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I think is the first time I heard it. Uh, so. Where did you grow up then? You said Ohio. Yeah. No, New I grew up in New York actually, and then oh. I was in the military for 21 years after that. But, um, but yeah, I grew up in New York, kind of near uh, about an hour and a half uh, north of New York City, so somewhere around okay. there, near West Point. You're like so, DJ from the block. That's what's up, yo. Just like Jenny from the block. First I had Used a to little. Have a little now I had a lot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> know where I came from. Yeah, I found out that Michelle is into both. I was trying to find an appropriate song to bring her in on, Brent, and found out she's into rap and heavy metal. So <laughs> not my 60s and 70s grooves that I'm always doing. <laughs> but um, I do want to thank her, um, Michelle. You can find her on Facebook. You can also find her. Is it Michelle Sierra on Twitter? Is that it? Um. I think it's Michelle Barton. And on Instagram, I'm probably most active there. It's Michelle M. Barton on Instagram. 
Yep. And on Strava, you can follow my runs or whatever. Like, I'm all over. But usually Instagram is the best. Strava, I'm not familiar with, so I'm going to have to check that out to oh. see if I can uh, see your run. Um, I'll explain it to you later. But you can just track all your workouts there. And, okay. and then you friend people and you can see, like, where that person ran or how fast or what bike ride they did. It's pretty fun. Oh, okay. I dig it, man. That's cool. Uh, maybe yeah. we can track our mat time at Gracie Bot. No, probably not. Uh, <laughs> you could track something, your heart rate or something. <laughs> but uh, I do want to thank you for your time, Michelle. Um, you My really pleasure. Are like a you know kind of a big deal in the sport, and our show is just a kind of a brand new show. And um, so I appreciate your time uh, to tell us uh, what it's like to uh, torture yourself for um, a couple of days. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah, talk to me after the next hundred miler. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will be in touch with you. My other, my co-host, of course, is Brent Littell, uh the uh, black belt under uh, Felipe Della Monica, Gracie Baja, and a black belt under Eddie Bravo. And you can find him, roll with him, and get tortured by him on the mat at Gracie Baja Irvine for right now. And I'm yes. the host, DJ San Marco. I appreciate both you guys. And um, as I always say on MMA, BJJ, and life, I will see you down the road. I'm always wondering what's up around the bend.